Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want to go to the book of Hebrews tonight, chapter 2. And we're going to walk through uh, quite a bit of Scripture. I hope that you came hungry tonight. I don't mean physically hungry. I'm already there. So, all right. That's why I'm not going to preach long. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I mean, I really, because I'm going to lay out some steak for you tonight. All right? Anybody want steak tonight? All right. Bible, a, a side of Bible beef? All right. We're, we're going to dig pretty deep tonight into some truths, but these things are going to help you. You believe that? All right, I want you to say, say, help me, Pastor. <laughs> Lord, help me. I open my heart to receive. Make my mind understand. Help my heart to believe what I'm about to receive tonight. Because your word is freedom. It's life to those who find it. And health to all of their flesh. In Jesus' name. All right, Hebrews 2. Let's look at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. In other words, became a human, all right? That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, you remember when that took place? You remember when the devil was was given the power of death. He was given that power of death on the earth when Adam relinquished that to him. When Adam and Eve allowed the devil's influence in the world. When they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they chose to eat the fruit. Think about this. God only wanted one tree. He gave them the rest of the planet, but the devil made them feel like they had to have that tree too. They're missing out. You got the entire planet. Leave the stinking tree alone. But they had to have the tree because he made them think they needed it. But because of that, the, the, the Scripture says that by that one man's disobedience, death came to all of us, right? Okay, so, and that the devil had that power of death. So that, let's go back to 14 for a moment, if you don't mind. He might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, we know that the devil right now is not destroyed. There, there will be a day when he ultimately is, thank the Lord. But his works have been rendered powerless. Colossians says it like this, that he disarmed the devil. Took away all of his weaponry. All right, he disarmed him. Let's go to verse 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And by doing what he did, he released those through, who through fear of death were all, that's why I want to tell you that there's no, there's no reason for any child of God to ever, 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 ever fear death. Ever. Ever. If you do, you've believed a lie. All right? I want to help you tonight to know the truth. There's no reason to ever, ever, ever fear death. Death is a step, it's a doorway into actual life. <laughs> Real life. That's what Ahmad is experiencing right now. Real life. Right? All, look, watch. 
were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I want you to write this down or do whatever you got to do to remember this. I want you to get this into your life, all right? When you are free from the fear of death, you are released from a lifetime of bondage. When you are free from the fear of death, you are released from a lifetime of bondage. Because if you, as Paul said, already reckon yourself dead, you're totally free at that point. If you already reckon yourself, that is, there's nothing that this world has for you. Right? Nothing in this world can really satisfy you then. A dead man doesn't have an appetite. Right? Doesn't have an appetite. So when you are released from the fear of death, oh, glory to God, then you are released or freed from a lifetime of bondage. This is what Jesus did for us. He did this. Not only did he, did he offer, give us eternal life, but he removed the sting, the fear of death. Now, go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to stay in this book for a little while tonight. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That sounds like a scary verse to me. Matter of fact, I used to be really scared of that verse. Anybody go to that church? Okay, I wonder if I was in the right church. You don't go to that church anymore. But anyway, uh, if we sin willfully, I can remember, I, I can still hear it in my head as a kid thinking, oh my gosh. Because the preacher would say things like this. There's sin, and then there's willful sin. Okay, what is willful sin? That which you do on purpose. I'm hopeless. I don't think I've ever accidentally sinned. Uh, every time I did it, I did it on purpose. Every time I did it, I did it willfully. There's no hope. There's no sacrifice then. There's no sacrifice for my sins for willful sin. There's no sacrifice. I'm hopeless. Wow. Now, let me help you tonight. If that verse has ever bothered you, or maybe right now you're reading it and you're going, I don't really understand what that means. Well, that's why you're here, because I'm here to help you understand it. Right. We're going to back all the way up to verse 1 of this chapter to get some context on this verse. We're going to see what really the subject matter is. That's always helpful, isn't it? For the law... We know the law of Moses, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. In other words, what he's saying, those animal sacrifices can't make people perfect. All right? The blood that shed for those animals, which was the sacrificial system under the law because that kept God from killing people. All right? So the animals would die in their place as to appease God for a time. It would cover the matter, but it could not cleanse them. It couldn't wash them, all right? It could cover, like putting a Band-Aid on a sore. All right, it would cover the matter, 
This says it was a shadow of things to come. It wasn't the, the real thing. It wasn't the substance. It was a shadow. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Watch. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. In other words, what he's teaching us is if they shed enough of the animal's blood where finally God said, okay, that's enough blood. You're all pure now. You've shed enough blood now because, you know, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But since you've shed so much, now I'm going to say, okay, that's good enough for me. You're all pure. And he says, and if, that, if it was able to do that, then they would have no more consciousness of sins. You've got to catch this tonight. If you've been truly purified, then you should have no consciousness of sins. Mm. No consciousness of sins. But this is, this is why they continue to have it. Let's keep reading verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Can you imagine what it was like? From morning till night, these priests are having to slaughter these animals for the people's sins, for all their transgressions and all their, their failures. And so they're, they're, they're doing this all day long, and the people see it, and they smell it, and all they can think about is, this my fault. I did that. It's my failures that's causing that to happen. And every day, all day long, they're reminded of their sins. Therefore, they have nothing but a sin consciousness, especially when it comes to them and their worship to the Lord. When they think about God, they think about their depravity. When they think about God, they think about their failure. When they think about God, they think that I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. When they think about God, they think about he's angry. Right? Let's keep going. Verse 4. For, in, if it, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Wow, what a hopeless system this is then, huh? All it does is produces a sin consciousness, and it doesn't have the ability to take away their sins. So all they get to do is be reminded over and over and over and over and over again of how sinful they are. When uh, we first moved here, it was... We moved here in 2003, and I want to say maybe, how old, how, when was Sophie born? Two? So it, this must have been around four or five, and I was babysitting her one day. And if Eric Holler, has, you've called him to babysit your child, that's because you have ran out of all other options. <laughs> and I was at the house that particular day, and... Jennifer brought Sophie over, and she was, I don't know, three, two, three years old or so. I don't remember exactly how old she was. And I, was, I had my feet up on the coffee table, and I was watching TV, and she was back in one of the rooms eating crayons or something. I don't have any idea what she was doing. <laughs> Here in a little bit, she comes out of the room, and she walks over to the coffee table, and on the coffee table, Heather had this little uh, collection or a collage of candles there, and... Uh, Sophie sees those candles, and she walks over to the candles, and she starts blowing on them. I mean, just blowing, blowing. It was the cutest thing I ever saw, especially because they weren't lit. And in this, in this child's mind, she's thinking, candles, when you blow on candles, you get cake. When you blow on candles, you get birthday presents. I mean, that's been her experience, and people applaud, and... It's a marvelous experience. A party starts. So <clears throat> she's blowing these candles. And I'm laughing, looking at her, laughing about what she's doing. And then start thinking, ooh, how, 
What is it about? See, this is the trick of the trap of self-righteousness. Listen to me. The trap of self-righteousness is to keep you thinking about and talking about your sinful issues. Issues that have already been resolved, already been dealt with. The trick of the devil is to make you believe that your sins are a bit like a trick candle. Yeah, he dealt with it, but you are nothing but a sinner saved by grace. So eventually, that's going to come shining through again. Eventually, and so, the de- I mean, think about how silly we must look sometimes when we've been purified by the blood of Jesus and we're continuing to talk about issues that are long since been dealt with by the blood of Jesus. Because we've been trained, religion has trained us to continue a sin consciousness. Let me say what we've traded, because we don't go around, hopefully none of you do this, go around sacrificing animals for your sins. If you do that, come see me after church and we'll pray together and maybe work through this. Uh, but we don't do that, but we have, traded, we have traded that for a confession of sin. Yeah, y'all got real quiet. Don't shout me down yet. Just listen to me. All right? Based on one verse of Scripture found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. For if we, but if we confess our sins, the Scripture says, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. All right? So the mentality goes that if you don't confess your sins, then you're not forgiven and you're not cleansed from unrighteousness. So you need to continue to confess your failures and confess your sins because that's the new sacrificial system so that you're always reminded of your sins. One verse of Scripture taken completely out of context and brought right into everyday Christian living so that we would do that to make sure through self-righteousness that we were right with God. When it had nothing to do, we could never make ourselves right with God. We have to completely and totally depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this. I know you've heard me say this, but we've got to get this in our, in our hearts and our minds. If confession of sin is everything, if it's vital, if it's vital for your life, that every day that you're always confessing your failures, why doesn't the Apostle Paul, our Apostle, ever say one word about that? If it's absolutely vital to Christian living, how come this guy doesn't say one word about it? No, he says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. Now, they're not arguing. John's not wrong and Paul's right. No, John was talking about the fact that he was dealing with these agnostics. And chapter 1 is a whole defense. 1 John chapter 1, if you start from the beginning, it's a whole defense for the gospel. Agnostics believe that the flesh has no value. And they believe that they are already at the pinnacle or the zenith of spirituality. So there's, there's really no sin. So there's no point for Jesus to come in the flesh because the flesh has no value. And there's no point to die for sins because sins are ethereal. They're not even real. And so John was attacking that mentality that was creeping into the church, saying, no, no, no. Hey, he opens up saying, we handled him with our hands. We walked with him. He was a man. God became a man. And if you don't confess that you need Jesus, if you don't confess your sins that you are a sinner, that's what he's saying. That's the whole argument. If you don't confess that, then you won't confess that you need a Savior. And you won't receive his forgiveness in your life. This wasn't, he's not talking about our daily living as Christians. 
We have our confession. He's the high priest of our confession. He goes on to say to us, my, my children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Listen to me. Jesus speaking about you and your sin is way better than you speaking about you and your sin. An advocate, one who speaks on our behalf. What is he saying? It is finished. I, what is our confession about sin? Christ died for my sins. That is my confession. That's all the confession about sins I need to say. Christ died for my sins. I am hidden in him. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that, yeah, but pastor, what do we do when we sin? Stop. Just stop it. Well, it's not that easy. It is that easy. It is that easy. But you've got to believe the right thing. Hebrews 12 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Think about that. The sin that so easily besets you or easily gets you off course, you have the power to just lay it aside. So at this moment, you're either going to believe in the power of sin over your life are you going to believe in that grace that abounds more than sin? What are you going to magnify in your life, grace or sin? Because his grace is greater. And if you believe in his grace, guess what? You'll awaken to righteousness and not sin. Yeah, but pastor, we all sin. I know, but we don't have to. It is possible not to. How many of you love me? I'm not saying it's probable. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> so breathe easy. But what I am saying is this. We have a place called the throne of grace that we go to to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus' forgiveness is not condition, conditional upon whether you confess that you have failed or not, that you've sinned. He's not holding back forgiveness. When he said it is finished, it was finished. When did you get forgiven? Yeah, but Pastor Eric, the Bible says if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Under the context of the law, that is true. But that's not your message. Your message is as Christ has forgiven you, so you forgive others. You forgive because you've been forgiven, not so that you can be forgiven. See, that was, that's what makes the new covenant so much better than the old covenant. It really is a better covenant. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's still true. All right, we've got to go back to Hebrews. Man, I did not mean to get off in all that. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. You needed to hear that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. I told you I was just going to get the meat out here tonight. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, talking about Jesus, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body, watch this, a body you have prepared for me. Think about this. Jesus Christ became a man, God in a body, get ready for this, that body was there. God created that body for sacrifice. You could say it like this. Jesus was born to die. Amen. He was born to die. Amen. He prepared a body for me for that sacrifice. An offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Let's go to the next verse. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. 
it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus knows who's the, who the Bible is about. It's about him. It's all about me. Previously saying sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Keep going. Then he said, behold, I have come to do uh, your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. What's the first thing he's taking away? That first sacrificial system uh, that would just cover the blood of bulls and goats. That he may establish the second. What's the second one? His body prepared for that. By that will, we have been sanctified. Oh, thank the Lord. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How? Once for all. Keep going. Verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. And what, in other words, what he's saying is, and I thank God that uh, that's not part of my job. These priests stand daily. The, the, the work is never done. It's never done. Continually offering up these sacrifices in blood and all day long, which can never take away sins. What a sad, sad picture this is, huh? Watch, verse 12. But this man, come on, shout this man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, did what? Sat down. Why did he sit down? Because the work was done. The work was done. At the right hand of God. Verse 13. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, I love 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, this, this ought to give everybody in this room hope tonight. All right? You are being sanctified, but you are already perfect at the same time. Wow. You're being sanctified, but you're already perfect at the same time. All right? And this has to do with your spirit, which is perfect. Your soul is being sanctified, and someday your body will be glorified. Hallelujah. But, but right now, we're walking this process out. Sanctification just means drawing nearer to God, consecrating yourself to God, drawing nearer to God. That's what it means. All right? So as you walk by faith, you're, you're, walking, you're choosing not to live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's a sanctification process. It's a separation from the way of the world and drawing near to God. All right? And that is a process, and that is a walk, one step in front of the other, one decision after another, hmm? by faith, with this hope that in my spirit, who I really am, totally perfect by that sacrifice. All right, let's go next. Who is back there at the computer? Is that you, Alex? Love you, man. Josh, thank you for running the sound. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses for us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Verse 18. Now, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Did you see that? Where there is remission of these, there is no longer offering for sin. For sin. In other words, since the old sacrificial system is over, there is no more offering of sin. Since Jesus died once for all, there is no more, there's no longer an offering for sin. All right, now remember what we read in Hebrews 10 26. 
For if we sin willfully, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What is he saying? He's saying if we go back to the sacrificial system that has been abolished and refuse and reject the blood of Jesus, the once-for-all sacrifice, there's no more sacrifice for sins. He did what he's offered his sacrifice to you, and if you reject that, there is no more sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats has passed away. God's not even looking at that. It's done. This isn't about you failing in life. This isn't about you sinning along the way. This is about these guys who are trusting in another system besides God's system, the old way. And that's why I'm saying, if you believe that it takes your confession of sin to receive that sacrifice for sin, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself and you're trusting in your own efforts and there is no sacrifice for sins for that. He's the ones for all sacrifice. Come on, help me tonight, family. Huh? Now think about this for a moment because I know, I, know, I know how this sounds. It sounds like you're free to me, but the religious mindset has a hard time with this. It just has a hard time because, because religious men like to control people. They want to control and tell them what they need to do and what they don't need to do. I want you to be free in the grace of God. I cannot do for you what the Holy Spirit can do. I cannot do for you what grace will do for you. I just can't do it. I don't want to do it. But here's the truth. If I wanted, if I wanted you to give you a license to sin, I would preach the Ten Commandments to you. There's your license. You shall not Commit adultery. You shall not covet. And you know what your flesh does? Well, we'll see about that. Right? Because as soon as we hear don't, we go, I'm going to. That's that Adamic nature. Right? It parts that. Amen. Yeah. Okay. But we need something greater. I think about Noah. Think about Noah on, on that ark. What a marvelous, marvelous thing that is. Noah is on this ark. What is this ark for us today? What does that mean for us? Well, that ark is called grace. You remember what the scripture says about Noah? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You think about, Brian and I were talking about this yesterday. You think about how people talk about how bad America is and how awful this, oh, God's got to be coming back soon because the Scripture says the days become like Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm like, you think America's like Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, God bless you. Or how about the time of, of Noah when it says men's hearts were continually on evil? We don't even know what that even looks like. And one guy on planet earth found grace. And we don't even know what he was like as far as his character was concerned. But some about him must have looked to God. But we do know this about Noah. As soon as he got off that ark, he planted a vineyard, bottled up wine, and got drunk. First thing. So uh, I don't know how much character the guy really had. I mean, can we give him a break though? He was on days upon days upon days upon days with filthy, stinking animals. Let's give the guy one party, huh? Can we, can we just give him one? <laughs> so he's, he's on this ark, and he's got all these animals to preserve the, the animal kingdom, and his family, his wife and his three sons, and their wives. 
There's eight people, the scripture says. Noah is on this ark, and as long as he's in this ark, he is completely safe, isn't he? From that judgment of the waters that came to the earth. He's completely free, completely safe. A couple of things about that ark that are interesting to me. You know, that thing had to hit some waves. It had to. And there had to be times when he stumbled and fell in that ark. But if he fell, he always fell in the ark. Never outside of the ark. He didn't fall out of grace. He fell in grace. And another cool thing about this is, God did not allow him to be able to steer the ark. He didn't put a rudder on it because you cannot manipulate grace. You just flow with grace. You go where grace takes you. Matter of fact, the scripture says we stand in grace. This is your position. This is where you are today. The scripture says that by faith we have access through him, through whom also, through Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Powerful, powerful. All right, we must continue. Where are we? What verse? Ooh, that's... Not... We're at 19? Oh, okay, let's go to 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I want to say something for just a moment. You know what? I think I'll end with, with going to John chapter 12, and then we'll just continue this next time. Is that all right? No, pastor, keep preaching. Oh, what's the, who said that? John chapter 12 and verse 30. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now, what happened was Jesus, uh, can we just back up for two, two verses? So I, I didn't realize we were right in the middle of a sentence here or right in the middle of a thought. Uh, 28 or so. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. All right, next verse. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. A lot of understanding going on there, isn't there? I heard thunder. No, it was an angel. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. All right, watch. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. He's talking about, watch this. This is so powerful. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Next. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Next verse. I didn't give that one to you, did I? This he said, signifying by what death he would die. What death is he talking about? He's talking about being up on the cross, suspended in the air, hung on a cross. I want to just talk to you for a moment about a little problem I have with the translation here. All right? In every version of the Bible, King James, New King James, where it says, if I am lifted up, let's go back to 32, I will draw all 
uh, King James says men, New King James says peoples, but if you see your Bible there, it's italicized, which means it was added by the translators, okay? What is, what's the subject here? What has come now? Now judgment has come. And now watch. If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. All what? Judgment to myself. In other words, I'm about to take all of it upon myself. It's all going to be drawn to me. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. And he's talking about that cross because that cross is a place of judgment. That cross, the scripture says, whoever hangs on a tree is cursed. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And I'm not totally against people saying, I mean, I can remember hearing that too. You know, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. All right. But are all men drawn to him? I mean, did that happen? Did the whole earth go, we're drawn to you, Jesus? It didn't happen. Now, I believe that if somebody truly hears the gospel, this gospel, hears this good news as it's really presented to us from the scriptures, there'll be a drawing. I believe that. But I think the problem is more so that it's the teachers than it is the people that are hearing. It's the guys who don't know how to preach the gospel that are causing people to turn away, not be drawn to. Okay? Because so many are afraid to preach the good news and just leave it at that. Want to add so many things to it when there's nothing to add. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. That gospel is what saves people. That gospel is what gives us, gives us eternal life. It's powerful. All right? That's a glorious thing that God would exchange his life for ours. Thank you, Lord. I just want to encourage you tonight. Okay, who can guess uh, how much this weighs? Can you take a guess, Jesse? 16 ounces. Now, it's not full. It's not full. 14, 12. It's really pointless for all of us to be guessing, but... um, Because really, it doesn't matter how much it weighs. It really doesn't matter. What matters is, how long can I hold this? How long can I hold this up? I mean, right now, it's not so difficult. But an hour from now, it's going to get tougher. Another hour from that, you don't think I can do it? Just stick around. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not going to be here. But another hour from now, there's going to be quite a bit of pain. And if I held on this thing all night, by then my arm would be numb. I would have a, a, a bit of paralysis set in. And what I want to leave you with tonight is for you to let go and release that sin consciousness from your life. Stop carrying around a burden that Jesus already carried for you. Because the more you think about it, you think about your failure for a little while, but, and, and it doesn't seem to bother you that much. But if you keep dwelling on it, the longer you dwell on it, the more paralyzed you become in it. Yeah. And you can't do anything. You can't make any progress. 
Because all you can focus on is your failure instead of the victory you have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Were you guys thinking I was going to say, is it half full or half empty? Is that what you thought I was going to do? I saw this quote. Dear pessimist, dear optimist, while you were talking about the water, I drank it. Thank you. Sincerely, opportunist. Okay. Let's stand together. Father, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. Thank you that Jesus is our once for all sacrifice for sins. You prepared for him a body, and that body, that body would draw all judgment to it. That body would bear the sins of the world. That body would be crushed for us. That body would be broken for us. That body would be nailed to a cross for us. That body would pour out blood that would wash away all of our sins once for all, for all time. So tonight, we choose to be righteousness conscious, Jesus conscious, looking at, to our own failures and our own disappointments has never brought us to victory. It just keeps us in a vicious cycle of going nowhere. And Father, I thank you tonight for those here tonight who have been battling with this, who have been struggling, Lord, and they have seemed to not been able to break away from that, that awful cycle of self-observation, of, of self-destruction. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you help them right now, that you would reveal to them the power of resurrection, the power of Christ in them now, the hope of glory, the power of that once-for-all sacrifice that God said, I will take your sins and I will cast them as far as the east is from the west and will remember them no more. So, Father, if you forgot about them, if you don't remember them anymore, may we never dwell on them again. Because you've not called us to live in regret. You've called us to live in victory. Tonight, just say this with me. Lord, I believe your blood is enough for me. I believe you died for all my sins. The judgment has been pronounced and the sentence has been carried out. All my sins are washed away. Thank you, Lord. So I set my eyes on you. I look to you, the author and the finisher of my faith. I choose victory. I refuse defeat in Jesus' name. I will not walk in condemnation and guilt and shame. I will not live in regret. I will forget those things which are behind me and reach forward to those things that are ahead because my God has given me a future and a hope. And so tonight, I lock myself in a prison called hope and I throw away the key, never to be disheartened again, never to faint, never 
to look back, never to walk back. But tonight, I am a prisoner of hope and hope alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 